Christina from Gravel Trap F1 here, and I've got some big news. As you're well aware, Formula One is not the only open wheel racing out there. So, the Gravel Trap is expanding its repertoire into IndyCar with a new podcast called Gravel Trap Indy, hosted by myself and our newest member of the Gravel Trap family, Justin Reschke. That's right, Christina. If you're a longtime IndyCar fan or an F1 fan who's been curious about Indy but don't know enough about it yet, we're making a show for you. We'll be covering both current events, races, driver market news, as well as digging deep into the rich history of IndyCar to recount some of the most exciting stories ever to come out of the sport. Join us. It's going to be a blast. Look for Gravel Trap Indie wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Gravel Trap F1 Live. Amazing. Welcome, uh, everyone. So, good morning. You'll notice that uh, Christina is missing today, and I'll be filling in riding shotgun with Caroline here. It's Christina comes back from the Portland race. We're, 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 you're talking about liveries. Sorry. Yes, you we were talking about liveries and how I felt like Alfa Romeo did a really good job with their livery, just really honoring Italy. And mm -hmm. and I, I, was, okay. I was saying that Ferrari, uh, obviously with their McDonald's-themed livery was... Well, it hurts that those are the colors that they're working with. Like, they, like you know, those Absolutely. are the colors that they're working with. You Absolutely. Know? Not a problem. I, 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 I mean, I thought it was funny, but I'm not going to sit there and, like, I, I... Yeah. I don't know. What was interesting was someone did point out that if you look at the back of the car, uh, it looks like the German flag. No way. Yeah. Maybe they were just honoring Schumacher and Vettel. You know what? That's probably not that far off it was it wasn't it didn't look like there there wasn't an actual flag what it looked like was um there was just happened to be this color scheme where these little stripes in the back together all looked yeah. like that that's so um, funny yeah but monza what a race you know we i was it was exciting to see the ferraris in the front in monza i think that like we all were hoping for it but with some of the performance this season, we weren't sure we were going to see it. So it was really nice. I felt like I said it the whole race. I said, if Carlos doesn't win driver of the day, it's rigged. I swear. Did he? He deserved. He did. He did. He okay. Did. Okay. But I said it the whole time before they like announced it. I was like, if he doesn't win driver of the day, I'm calling in the troops because like <laughs> the man has been working harder than anybody else on the grid all day. And hot take. But like at the end, when Charles started to battle Carlos for the position, I was like, homeboy has been fighting everyone this whole race. And you've just been hanging out. <laughs> and he finally gets a moment. And you charge. <laughs> that's, that's not... I mean, that's a hot take, sure. But at the same it time, is. he was kind of just hanging on the whole time. I know. Uh, I know. But it would have been rude for him to try and push and to try and, and right. disrupt oh, yeah. things. He's not a racing driver. He's not a racing driver if he didn't. But I was like, of all the times you could have decided to get in there, it wasn't when Checo was in front of you. It was when your teammate was in front of you. Um, by the way, Max Hiller is in the chat. So he, he has shown up today. Hey, uh, Max. We're, we're not alone here at 7 Amazing. and 9 a.m. Amazing. Uh, Ferrari needed to be more assertive there. And call off the fight. I believe. I think they did. I thought uh, Fred 
I, I don't want to mess up this pronunciation of his last name. Vas- mm-hmm. Vasur. I thought he let them off the chain and just said, go for it, boys. Give the, give the Tifosi a show. He said he was quoted at the end of the race saying, I always like to give them an opportunity to race because that's what they are. They're racing drivers. They did make the call. I think it was like two laps to the end when they were like, just bring them both home. Like just like cool it, bring them both home. And then Charles did his charge and everyone was like, they just told you to just bring it home. But we want to rile up the fans. Uh, well, I was, I was really, really glad that Carlos was able to finish P3. I genuinely would have been so sad for him if it had ended up going to Charles. Not that like, I I like Charles and I think he's a great driver and he is, you know, the son of Italy and whatever, but like he's had his moment at Monza Mm -hmm. and everybody always is talking about him. He's so much better than Carlos and he's so much better than Carlos. I was like, I need, Carlos has been out driving him all season. Carlos started on pole. I needed Carlos to have a moment in Monza and to show the people that like, he's really, really good because he is, he's really, really good. It's not like, it's not like Max and Checo where there's there's this you know huge disparity that you see in the points. They're really close in the points. And mm-hmm. Carlos is ahead of him in the points. And yeah. would be significantly further ahead of him if he hadn't had a couple of unfortunate DNFs that were not his fault. So I absolutely agree. I think I think there at least for me, there was this perception that Carlos was a a in a Checo kind of role. Mm-hmm. And then I just started noticing, like, well, he he's actually no, he's doing really well. Why? And yeah, he's actually on par. Okay, maybe Charles isn't the the wonder kid that uh, everyone was expecting or thinking. Like, That's may, a hot take. I'm. I said maybe he isn't. I. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if they're both given the same car and they're, but I also think it's a it's a good thing for your teammates to be well matched, whether or not they're at the max pace or the Checo pace. As long if they're well matched, it gives you. Uh, it gives you more options mm-hmm. in in various situations. Like if you're down and you need to have some kind of recovery, and you have this gulf between your two drivers, you you, you got less options. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm all for that. Um, my first thought as the race kicked off, and a few laps in, watching the race, um, Max wasn't in the front. Which means all we saw was the front of the pack. We, yeah, we've been spoiled all all, all year because um, when Max is leading, they show us the rest of the race. Right, and right. when Max isn't leading, we don't get to see the rest. Of, we've like I we missed out on a lot of racing for the first fifteen laps because they were just focused on Max yes. and and uh, Carlos, which is would I think was what would normally happen, but for all season. We've been getting a whole different kind of broadcast, and it was kind of weird. <laughs> it was weird, and also, I saw Alcon retired, and I feel like I like noticed it like five laps later, and I was like, "Wait a minute, when did Esteban Alcon? What happened? Like, he was there, and then he suddenly what? I was like, when did he DNF? I missed that. Comp- like they didn't even cover it. Like they didn't even show you. He was just like." Driving and then suddenly he was with Sonoda at the bottom, and I was like, "What?" I, <laughs> I, I wasn't aware. 
Right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I feel like, bad. I wasn't aware. No, it was crazy because like we all saw Sonoda, you know, yeah. the Sonoda one because it was in the formation lab and it was like, it, it was big. And then I feel like it was, it was somewhere in like the thirties, lap thirties mm-hmm. that I think, I think, because again, we saw nothing and it was just like, he was, you know, he was on the board and driving his little, his little car. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden lap 42 comes around and I look and I'm like, wait a second. When did Ocon DNF? We completely missed that. Steering issue forced his DNF. Okay, well. Okay. Uh, I would not have known. I mean, to be fair, if anything happened with the Alpine, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Um, it, it was, it was a little gut wrenching because they say the curse obviously is has been broken this year now that Max has won. Um, but. Gasly, he was on the podium not that long ago. And now mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing him in the high teens, noticing his name. Like it, It's interesting to see from race to race some of these people that... Uh, really bounce. Yeah, r- really bounce. Yeah. Alpine, I feel like, consistently has been that way. Yes. At least since you know I've, I've been watching, that they'll just have moments where they're just destroying it. And then they'll have moments where they'll double DNF two races in a row. And you're like, what is happening at Alpine? But I will say, I felt like the racing was really good. I felt like the race went very quickly um, because you didn't have a lot of DNFs, but you mentioned the, or you didn't have any crashes. Like we mm-hmm. didn't have any like safety cars. You mentioned the Monza curse. I heard a rumor and I don't know if it's founded, I just read it like one place and I saw it nowhere else, but that in the last two laps of the race that Checo was gaining, excuse me, Checo was gaining on max three seconds per lap and that Max's car was having internal issues. And if Sonoda hadn't a DNF'd, during the formation lap, and they had two more laps, that Checo would have won the race, and the Monza curse would have lived on. Interesting. So y- Yuki was some sort of sacrificial lamb <laughs> to break the curse. And like you can't—I mean, you can't know that it's the very beginning of the race. You can't know that Max is going to start seeing struggles. But it—it it was confusing to me, and it's funny because I noticed it was confusing to me that Oscar finished the race with the fastest lap. I'm like, Max is always gunning for that fastest lap point in the last couple of laps. I'm surprised it isn't a bigger story because people pay attention to those numbers. The people, if he had some huge drop off in lap time, like that would have been what people were talking about by at least by today, at least. So I, I, yeah, that's why I'm saying. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's just like a, like a rumor page or, you know, conspiracy, but I'm like, but if it's true, that's nuts. <laughs> um, so this is our first race uh, with Max not leading for the first 15 laps. Yes. He's, he's gotten in front far quicker mm-hmm. in, in every other race if he wasn't starting in front. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we all expected him to like get Carlos turn one. Um, so shout out to Carlos on mm-hmm. his incre- truly incredible defending. I mean, 
because let's be real, the Red Bull car is just head and shoulders above. And so for Carlos to have led this, you know, second most or like the most laps, not in a, by a Red Bull mm-hmm. all season. I love that for him. Yeah. Turn one was interesting. I, I noticed it was the one place where it, it's the tightest turn one. It's the one I always expect there to be a pile up and I'm shocked when there isn't. Mm-hmm. And it makes the Verstappen Hamilton pancake thing from uh, a while back all that much more confusing because it's like no one should go in there together unless mm-hmm. you're absolutely sure. And that's how everybody who took the inside line could just break a little late and shut the door, go all the way to the other side of the of the past the apex to the other um, left side of the turn and block them off every time. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it just became this like, who's going to little game of chicken at turn one every time. I did love Perez's first time he did the shoehorn where he had to get past Russell. Yeah. So he went, I'm going to go all the way to the right. I'm going to get into the pit exit lane and take the inside. And he, it was so out there and deliberate. It was just letting George know I'm taking the inside line, no matter what move over. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you weren't going to get, you weren't going to win turn one unless you had the inside line. And he just had to crowbar his way in. I was like, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> that was aggressive. Mm-hmm. No, truly turn one seemed to kind of be the paramount spot of overtakes. I noticed on Sunday and I have to commend the FIA and whoever was, you know, in charge of making a lot of the calls on this race, because there was a lot of talking back and forth of, oh, he pushed me off. Oh, he, you know, sent, he pushed me wide or I didn't have a choice. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm, did he though? Right. <laughs> and they made, I felt like they were making the right calls. Speaking of making them making calls, how do we feel about the Lewis Hamilton Oscar Piastri incident? Absolutely uh, fair. And, um, when I say fair, I mean the the outcome. Like I think, right? That, you think that, it was so? You do think he should have gotten the penalty? I I what I was saying before we went live was an interpret is a possible interpretation of uh, a certain rule in certain situations. Um, in this particular case, Hamilton thought he was further ahead and moved over early, and he shouldn't have. And at two hundred miles an hour, mistakes can happen, and it did. Mm-hmm. And he apologized for it, which mm-hmm. was magnanimous. Mm-hmm. And I, I think five seconds makes is while okay. So you know the gravel trap has the esports club, and I so commonly hear the phrase "you ruined my race." Mm-hmm. I really don't like that phrase because you're out there in a race car. Contact could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's it's like you know how somebody either chooses to like in spite not get out of the way sometimes like you're walking down yes. the side you're walking down a sidewalk and you see somebody kind of coming at you and you know they're going to bump into you but you stay there just so you can you know they can bump into you and you be like hey man you should move no you should move it I'm not saying Oscar did this I'm saying there's situations where people don't get out of the way because they think they have the right to that space and they absolutely probably do have right to that space but if you see something barreling at you Mm-hmm. right wrong or indifferent and you want to stay in this race get your car out of the way 
and then let someone let, let the the rules deal with it later um but there's so many times i've seen people knock it out of the way because they feel like they have the right to that space mm. and then get mad and say you ruined my race i'm like you saw danger coming and decided to stay there out of principle not out of mm -hmm. preservation of your car and again i'm not saying that's what oscar did um but i don't think it's what oscar did no, he gave not. him he gave him so much space and then yes. he kept asking for more and it's like bro you have so much space <laughs> right and if he had had more time to to see that this was about to happen he could have just tapped the brakes a little earlier and let you know and and, and saved his car some damage and maybe appealed to, you know, had somebody appeal to the stewards. I don't know if that would have been possible. But regardless, it's just protecting your car and staying in the race is uh, the paramount thing. So when I hear people say, you ruined my race, it's like you probably had an opportunity to save your own race and get the other person punished, maybe. Uh, so that's why I have a particular disdain for that phrase. But mm -hmm. in this particular case, that was everyone's second bite at the apple if you missed the turn one opportunity to take that inside line or get that overtake done i think everyone felt like that next chicane was was where you could make it happen or really mm -hmm. i think those are the only two hard breaking zones mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I, I think people get angsty by that chicane and they're well, willing to and... take more risk right and time was running down mm -hmm. and you didn't and that because i think that was really what hurt what hurt the most um was that the race was coming to an end soon and so they were all you know making big moves and oscar was giving the space and lewis made a mistake and he owned the mistake and apologized mm -hmm. after but what's hard is that that mistake cost oscar his race and it's unfortunate and it's the timing of it because he had to fall you know six or seven positions because he had to pit because he had damage and then he didn't get to finish in the points. And so it's, it's heartbreaking to see only because then it, Lewis did have enough time to outpace his penalty where it didn't matter. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's just, that's happened so many times mm -hmm. in racing that it's going to happen to everybody at some point. And I don't really know that there's an answer that makes it right or like brings justice because it was an accident. It was a mistake. Did it, did Oscar come out the major loser, even though he didn't really do anything wrong? Yeah. Yes. But also it, it's it, happened to Lewis before it's happened to Carlos before it's happened to Charles way too many times. <laughs> like it's happened to Esteban. Like it's happened to so many people that, you know, it's just, it's just part of it. And I agree. It, it it happens a lot. Uh, Max Hiller says Russell at turn one was interesting. I think he's referring to the he pushed me wide. Wasn't that? He, that it's was... either the he pushed me wide or when they tried to radio him and he was like, do you see what's going on right now? <laughs> I have a Red Bull. <laughs> Up my ass. I believe is, is that what he said? They had to yes. they had to bleep it, yeah. Yes. Um, the the turn wide or the push wide thing was it wasn't push typical George radio, if you will. That's how I kind of feel about it. Like that's what George George is like. He likes to. I think that sometimes George, it happens so fast, right? They're going so fast. It happens so fast. He wants to get in there and say, "Oh, he pushed me wide." Be like, hopefully, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
when they look at it and see, oh yeah, he did get pushed ride. Or in this case, mm, no, but oh. good try, you know. That's classic. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, they should have a little screen in their visor that shows them replays and be like, yes, it meant that one. Yes, yes. So uh, I, I noticed like I don't I didn't I don't really feel like I noticed it as much when he was at Williams, but I did notice it when he went to Mercedes that he he would do that. And to the point where earlier when he was first starting out with Mercedes, like I think at one time Toto had to get on the radio and be like, relax, just race, just keep going. He's like a first year paralegal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know the so, rules. Yeah. So I think it was another one of those little moments on the uh he pushed me wide. I I noted here that Albon sneakily hit super early. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice until maybe a lap or two later. That kind of paid off for him. The undercut is super powerful in Monza. And it was a big talking point. I remember when Carlos was leading and you had Carlos Max Charles and you had, you knew Carlos's tires were dying fast. And there were these big questions of, are they going to pit Charles? Are they going to pit Carlos? And for Williams, it was obvious because Alex was their front runner. He was so much, he was so much further ahead, but I was really curious to see how they were going to manage it at Ferrari because technically you would want to give the advantage to your guy in front. But the problem in my mind with that is Max Verstappen is in a rocket ship. So he's just going to, and tire degradation doesn't exist in the Red Bull. And so he's just going to jet ahead and get as much of a gap as possible to where he negates the undercut. So I actually felt like Ferrari handled it well. They did the best that they could. If I was going to like put in my opinion, I would have liked to see Charles make life a little bit more difficult for Sergio when possible. But <laughs> I mean, everybody was protecting their own race. So we have a new uh, viewer in the chat here. Weber's racing. Hey, uh, says finally caught a live podcast. Uh, yes, we are doing it a little early today, so we're glad we were able to catch you. Welcome. Welcome. And Mose Jag. What's up? Uh, Mose Jag says, on Checo gaining on Max at the end. Apparently Red Bull were worried about Max's car overheating, so they wanted him to build a bigger gap to Gasly to get into cleaner air. So when, that sounds like they wanted Max to go faster, but what you're really saying is that Max was slowing down to let Gasly get away and okay. get out of Gasly's dirty air. But okay. If it was Gasly, it would have been a back marker, and Gasly would have had to get out of the way anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have not done any research into that particular thing, but I had the thought. I was like, have Red Bull changed Max's power unit at all this season? I don't even know if they have. So I'm like, I mean, it would be a good time. Okay, before we run out of time, though, one thing that I feel like we should talk about mm -hmm. is that Daniel Ricciardo will not be coming back for they're saying, Singapore. They're saying by Qatar or Japan, I believe. Yes. I think that's like, it's like, hopefully, you know, like yeah. another one of those. So I personally am loving what Liam Lawson is doing in the car and the way he's been able to just jump in and take on some two really, really hard circuits from the jump in a new car that is also the last in the Constructors' Championship right now. So... I actually have felt like he's he's been really strong 
you know, he's he's doing pretty good. Um, we were actually in on Instagram. We have a, a reel talking about this bizarre uh, kismet set of circumstances where Nick DeVries could be called back in the event Liam Lawson uh, has to go to Japan to defend or to challenge for the Super Formula Championship, which he is in second place for and mm-hmm. less than 10 points off the lead. Mm-hmm. And In the event that Daniel can't race in Mexico. Right. So Daniel's not healed by Mexico. Liam Lawson has to leave for Japan. They can only have four drivers have driven for them this year. They have to make that awkward phone call to DeVries. Somebody in, in, in the comments on Instagram was saying that uh, they're staying in an F1 car in where Alpha Tower is is preferable for Liam Lawson than, walk, than be able to get a Super Formula title. I mean, I would, if I were Liam, I'd rather stay in the F1 car, but you also have to ask yourself, what is he contracted to? Mm-hmm. And so in the end, that's kind of what's going to make a lot of the decisions for him um, and what he is legally obligated to go into. And also, I think, especially in the Red Bull system, the choice is not really always yours. So they're going to tell him what they want him to do versus Daniel versus Nick in this super hypothetical situation. Mm -hmm. So there are plenty of people that will make this decision. It wouldn't be just Liam, but I think if Liam could make the decision, he would probably choose to stay in the F1 car. My, the re I mean, I have no idea, but looking at other, there's only 20 F1 seats. And there's so many drivers that have come to F1, done it for a year or two, and moved on to other parts of their career. You've got uh, uh, Giovinazzi racing mm-hmm. in, in 24-hour Le Mans and all that fun stuff. You have this racing career outside of F1 or beyond F1 or after. Why wouldn't you want the chance to say that you have a, a title, a world title, or a, a whatever title, like you're a you know, champion of this series? If you're 10 points off... You know, mm-hmm. you have a legitimate shot of walking away with a title and they're more, therefore maybe even bolstering your F1 career even more um, or helping your career after F1 if you if you only do that for a little while. It just seems kind of like a missed opportunity to pass up on, I'm just not going to get that, that championship title. I mean, it depends on what their dream is. If their True. dream is to drive an F1, then they're going to stay in the F1 car. If their dream is to hold a world title in something then they're going to go do that. But that's assuming they're the only one that gets to make the decision. I'm, uh-huh. I mean, I don't, think that, I don't think that it's solely in the hands of a 20-something-year-old to decide Fair point. on behalf of the team. So, Not race-related at all, but Monza-related. Okay. Um, I was really impressed with the fans who had these huge Ferrari flags that mm-hmm. spanned an entire grandstand. Or mm-hmm. um, it was on track afterwards that I really noticed it, where I'm like, that's pretty coordinated for what has to be upwards of 100 people to be like, okay, we're all going to hold this and we're going to pull in the opposite direction. And they're walking down the the uh, pit straight with this massive 50-foot mm-hmm. flag. That's pretty good coordination. I mean, there's high school marching mm-hmm. Uh, band teams or whatever that have to like <laughs> for the out. Europeans that might not have high school marching bands it looks somewhat similar minus the crowds mm-hmm. on a field in the middle of the game where 
a bunch of band members and various people will go on and make, you know, basically coordinated choreography music. But I mean, I know it's a tradition. I know that it's a tradition at Monza with the Italian fans with these flags. So I, I think it's a beautiful tradition. I have thought before, because a lot of times they'll lift them above the people's heads mm -hmm. and stretch them above the people. I have thought so many times I would be so mad if I was one of those people underneath that flag and got, and I ran myself down there because I wanted to see the podium celebration and I saw yellow. That was, they were saying that in the gravel trap chat room, um, mm -hmm. the, the social club chat room, they were being like, I would be so mad because half the grandstand is covered. And unless it's really perforated and you can see through it, like those glasses are. So. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. I mean, I haven't seen it myself, but I doubt it. Um, Weber's Racing says normally teams put in a new power unit for spa, but unless they're going over the allocations of PU, it's not reported. Mm. Oh, okay. So they they usually don't report that they put in a new power unit. Yeah, unless, yeah. Unless unless it's going to result in a grid penalty. That makes sense. There has to. I mean, F one is huge. There has to be a fan out there that's put together some kind of component tracker where you can see, like you can Hasn't scroll. Hasn't our co-host been doing that? <laughs> I can I can edit this out for the recorded version. <laughs> I do believe cars, Christina fast. does it, but if it's not Christina, I do know that Formula News Live on Instagram is keeping a running, you know, deck of it as well. Okay, uh, I'm I'm on her website now. I don't know where I would find it. I don't know <laughs> that she has put it on her website, but I do remember at the beginning of the season, she was like, is this something that you guys would like for me to keep track of? And we said, yes. So. Mose Jag says, can always go to the FIA document site. That's what Christina does. Cause she. Like, That's what she does in her spare free time. She wakes up and reads the FIA mm -hmm. website. Uh, we what I'm it. talking about is a more fun graphical interface that kind of shows you, just like the video game. The video game will show you your power unit allocations, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. anyway. All right. In our last two minutes, any final questions? Max Hiller says, as someone who did marching band in high school and college, that was spot on. Oh, thank you. You know, not a lot of people know this, but I was actually a music major in college. So I know a thing or two about the music systems. And I have a lot of respect for marching bands. I will say it's hard. It's hard enough to sit in a chair and play those instruments, mm -hmm. let alone run around, stay in formation, keep your eyes on everyone else and on your major and on everything. So matters like and you got girls throwing sticks in the air and doing flips i mean like you might get whacked there's it's chaos it's a sport if you will so uh in terms of a good race where does Ma Ma monza sit with you on this year so far mm. is it up near the top five good question i would say monza sits towards the top for me only because it's the best challenge we've seen to max so far from a non from outside of the team like from outside of red bull so i feel like it's been the most hopeful race mm -hmm. of the year um i also feel like it was a very safe race in the sense that nobody was in danger you didn't see anybody slamming into walls or you know cars on top of each other which was lovely to see and then 
I felt like there was some, just some really, just, it was kind of a textbook, what you want to see in a race, start to finish. I mean, you had the funny radios, you had the good overtakes, you had mistakes that resulted in apologies, you had penalties, you had DNFs, but nobody was in grave danger. Mm. You still had the same winner, but you saw a new member of the podcast in Max's podcast in the cool down room, which was great. I, I really want them to like, at some point this year, maybe it's going to be in one of the U.S. races. Someone actually puts the Zappin podcast sign up in the cool down it. room. I love it so much. Weber's Racing asks, when are you coming to Silverstone for the British GP? Ooh, you know, I almost went this year and then the flights were $5,000. So that was kind of what ended it for it. But I would love to go next year, honestly, as soon as possible. That's it's super on my bucket list to go to Silverstone. So. We'll see. I'll get there someday, you know. Um, big announcement. I don't know if we've said it publicly, but Gravel Trap F1 will be at Coda. Woohoo! All three of us in the same place. Same at the time. Same time. <laughs> we got to do the Spider Man meme. Three Spider Man yeah. pointing at each other. <laughs> that would be so great. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us early in the morning. Recap and react. All of our Americans. To. Uh, Monza. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.